Thank you so much for checking out the Connect Church podcast. We hope you're encouraged and inspired by this week's sermon. So let's jump right in and check out this week's message. I'm so glad that you are here. Let me encourage you to take your Bibles if you would. Let's go to Philippians chapter 2. As we have studied the book of Philippians, this letter Paul writes to the church at Philippi, because here's what we're beginning to uncover, that this is the happiest book of the Bible. But remember this, happiness is not the chief end of our faith, right? It really what we find is that the joy of Jesus is far greater than any other emotion or feeling that you and I have. In fact, what we know to be true is that when Jesus is at the center of our joy, when Jesus is our greatest joy, guys, we are the happiest we can be in this life. And last week we began to talk about some math problems, and I'm not a math guy, but let me just recap a little bit. Last week we looked in Philippians 1 and 2, and there were two equations that we we worked out. Number one, that Jesus is greater than me, and the second equation is that we is greater than me. And here's the deal about both of these equations. You ready? They both equal to unity with Christ and unity one with another. And so as we begin to hash out and work out these equations, these problems, we we really talked last week a lot about equations, but today we kind of pivot a little and we begin not to look at just equations, but to unity's example. More than an equation, we have the example. More than a mathematical problem, we have the person. More than just math, we have the master himself. Unity's greatest example is pointed to, is penned, and is published here in Paul's letter to the church at Philippi. And guess what? It is none other than Jesus Christ. So as you turn to Philippians chapter 2, let let me ask you a question. You ready? Don't you just hate empty? Just, don't you hate empty sometimes? I got to thinking about maybe what could be just an empty morning, right? Where you go to the shower as soon as you get up, and and you begin to take a shower, and and you grab the shampoo, and and guess what happens? It's empty, right? Right? Somebody used the last shampoo, and, and honestly, I have four kids in my house. We never have shampoo or body wash anywhere in the house. You just go, man, you're just frustrated. Well, then you go to your sink, and you got to brush your teeth. And then you grab the tube of toothpaste. And here's the deal. Do you know how long you can make an empty tube of toothpaste go? I mean, you can squeeze the life out of this. It's got to be pretty crazy for this to be empty. And yet, on such a morning, it's empty. Well, you get on over there to the fridge. You pour yourself a bowl of cereal. You go in the fridge and realize that somebody drank the last. Uh, the milk, it's empty, right? And then you think, man, your, your cereal's already poured, so you're having to try to figure out how to get this cereal back in the box. But hey, your saving grace is that yesterday from work, you grabbed a couple of Krispy Kreme donuts that were left there, right? And your saving grace is you see that box of Krispy Kreme donuts on your counter, and you go over and you open it, and it's empty, right? And your great joy turns to rage and anger as one of your children ate the last one but left the box out there just to be mean, right? And it's empty. 
Well, he decides, you know what, I, I'm just going to go to work. <laughs> I just, I, I gotta, I, I'm going to go to work today. Get your keys, you turn on your truck, and you look at your gas gauge. And your gas tank's on empty, so what you do is you go, man, you know what? I'm just going to check my bank account, right? You get your iPad out, and you're like, let me just check my bank account. And your bank account's empty. Hear, hear me. Listen, you've not even left the house yet. And you're already faced with so much emptiness. Don't you just hate empty sometimes? You know, I got to thinking about Philippians chapter 2. And I wonder if God can use empty. If God could use empty as a way to fill you and me with joy. I wonder how it is maybe that this equation could work out for us in Scripture that empty is equal to being filled with joy. In fact, I believe we see not only the example, but this equation looked at here in Philippians chapter 2. And so if you have your Bibles, let's look at verse Five together, and it says this, you ready? That in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset of Christ. Now, remember, we're dealing with what it is to live lives in a manner worthy of the gospel. And one of those ways that Christ shines the most is in our relationships one with another. And this says that our mindset, our mind should be that of Christ. That means that our very passion, our purpose, our position in life ought to be the same as that of Jesus for those of us who are in Christ. Now, this is called the great canonic passage of Philippians, the emptying passage. That's what that word means in the Greek, where Jesus emptied himself so that you and I might be filled, where Jesus made himself nothing so that you and I could have everything we need to be saved in Christ, to be sustained by his spirit, to be satisfied in him, and to serve the very king of kings together. Now, while most of Philippians teaches the practicality of joy in Christ and the living out of such joy in the believer's life, the passage we read today wades into the deep waters of doctrine. The passage we read today is found in the timeless teaching of theology. But there is one conclusion that you and I have to make as we read through this passage today. There's only one conclusion we come to, one course of action for you and me. And that is to simply say, so long self. So long self. There's a song that was released back in 1960, long before any of you guys were alive. Back in 1960 uh, by Neil Sedaka. What a great name. Anybody know what song that was? Breaking up is hard to do. Y'all ever heard that song? Breaking up is hard. It's just a great song. You ought to throw it on your iTunes. Well, guys, listen, as a preacher of the gospel of good news, I got to share some bad news with you. You ready? Some of y'all need to break up with you this morning. There needs to be some breaking up that takes place if we really want joy in Jesus. Hey, don't we live in a culture that loves them some self? Don't we know people that really just loves me some me? In fact, we know this about our sin nature in each of us. You ready? That our sin natures that all of us have, 
really does love me some, some me. We live in a culture, we find it in our own self, that we live in a culture that loves some self. In fact, the sin nature that loves me some me exchanges oftentimes the theology of God for, as I heard one preacher say, the meology of self. The meology of self. You know what? Let's just talk about some characteristics of meology. You ready? There's someone who may be a little self-centered. You ever met anybody who believes the world revolves around them? Don't point them out, right? Don't point them out today. You ever felt, met somebody who's self-seeking, looking out for what is best for them in all situations? Maybe someone who's given to self-worship. My happiness matters the most. I deserve the best, everything I want. And when I don't get it, I'm going to pout. Have you ever met someone who's self-important? Hey, don't you realize I'm a big deal? Didn't you know that? Have you ever met someone who's, who really is bought into self-preservation? I, I don't care who gets hurt as long as I'm okay. Ever met someone who's self-indulgent? I will deny myself nothing that I want. Maybe someone who's self-justifying. They are always right, and they are never wrong. Someone who's self-confident. I am the best, and there's no one like me. Self-absorbed, where every conversation, no matter what you're talking about, always comes back to them. I'll be honest, if we are all open today, we've all had moments that looked a little bit like that, haven't we? We've all had times where it's been a lot more meology than the theology of, of God. I want, I want you to hear me. The ugliest parts of our lives, of our hearts, of our relationships are rooted in selfishness. All the evils of our society find their very foundations in selfishness. And here's what we find at the end of all selfishness. It leads to empty. It leads to Emptiness. And it leaves us empty-handed of faith and joy in Jesus and fellowship with one another. Now, I don't want you to hear me wrong because I am all for a healthy and a godly self-image that is to the glory of God, by the way, whose image you and I were created in. I am who he says I am. Hey, by the way, I love a self-esteem that is built on who we are in Christ. And it is invaluable for the believer. I am loved, I am desired, I am saved, and I am sustained by Jesus. I am all for self-care. Taking care of your body, your mind, your soul, your strength in response to the fact that you house the spirit of the living God as 1 Corinthians 6 reminds us of. But today, we got to be careful that all of that doesn't become just about me. Because remember... Our only conclusion, where we end up today, is this idea of so long. So, have y'all ever heard that nursery rhyme? Nobody likes me. Everybody hates me. I guess I'll just go eat worms. If you've ever listened to that song fully, it is disturbing. On so many levels. Listen, if we're not careful too, we'll believe that ought to be the anthem of the Christian faith. Well, I'm just going to go around telling everybody I'm nothing. Nobody likes me. Everybody hates me. I guess I'll just go eat worms. Hey, listen, you ready? 
The goal of our time today is not to get believers to walk around and say, I'm nothing, but to realize that Jesus became nothing so that we could have everything we need to have salvation in Christ, to be sustained by his spirit, to be fully satisfied in him, and to serve the King of Kings together. You know what saying so long to self does? It empties me of me. Now, we know this about our lives, you ready? That we have a sin nature that is bent towards sin and self and away from God. All of us have this nature, including Paul. Including the very one who writes this book that we read today. In fact, I want you to see, he talks about a sin nature that we're all born with here in Romans chapter 7. Verse 21, Paul writes, So I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil's right there with me. For in my inner being I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work in me. What a wretched man I am! Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Oh, here's the good news of the gospel. Thanks be to God. It's who he delivers me through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Listen, you ready? We have a sin nature. Yes, even if we're saved. In fact, let me just maybe illustrate this. So here's the life of every believer, okay? Right here. And if this is a picture of me, I'll add the muscles and the six-pack of abs. Anyway, listen. So this is, this is a picture of every believer's life. Now, now, if we were to go in a little bit closer and we were to get a picture of their heart, here's what we would find. You ready? In the heart of every believer, in the life of every believer, we have a saved nature because Jesus has saved us. He's made us a new creation. But in the very same heart and life, we have a, and I'll just do a frowny face. We have a sin nature. That is work, that as we saw here in Romans chapter 7, that we continue to struggle against, that we continue to war against, that we continue to fight against. So we have a sin nature, a safe nature that the Holy Spirit of God lives in us and works to bend our hearts and our lives back towards God the Father and away from selfishness. Here's a question I have. Which nature is sitting on the throne of your heart and your life? Which nature is calling the shots in your life, believer? I love what Adrian Rogers once said, and he's just, he's a great guy, it's really great quotes. He says, when self is on the throne, Jesus is still on the cross. But when Jesus is on the throne, myself is on the cross is the reminder of Galatians chapter 2. Let me read this to you. You ready? If it'll switch over there. Here we go. I have been crucified with Christ, Paul writes. And I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You know what it is, guys? It is this invitation. It is it's this challenge for you and I to say, you know what? So long, self. I'm done. It's time that you and I break it off. And so let's dive into Philippians chapter 2. Let's take a closer look at the message that Paul writes here in verse 6. And here's our hope. You ready? That as we say so long to self, 
that these are some of the truths that you and I are quick to welcome and to celebrate together. Look at this in verse number 6 of Philippians chapter 2. The Bible says this, who, meaning Jesus, being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself, now watch this, nothing by taking the very nature of a servant and being made, the Bible says, in human likeness. The word nothing in this passage carries with it the meaning of Empty. He emptied himself. Jesus emptied himself of all self-interest to take the position of a servant. Jesus is living out what we learned earlier on in Philippians chapter 2, that we're to do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. More than an equation, yet again we find Jesus as the example. Jesus, now think of this, positioned himself as fully God and fully man to both obey God and to serve others. And my question is, is who are we to think that we are below such a task or above it? Who are we to think that such a task is below us? You ready? It is to the joy of every believer to obey God and to serve others. The word human likeness here, you ready? Literally means that Jesus was similar but different from us. You ready? Yes, he is fully God, but he also is fully man. But here's what we find the difference. You ready? In his humanity, Jesus never sinned. Hebrews 4.15 teaches us. Therefore, Jesus is uniquely positioned to save sinners. Consider what Mark chapter 10 verse 45 says. You ready? For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. And the Bible says to give his life as a ransom for many. You ready? What's amazing is, is Jesus became nothing. Jesus emptied himself. And here's the truth we know. Because he made himself nothing, Jesus is everything to the believer. By making himself nothing, he has become everything to the believer. Now watch this play out as Paul writes. And being found in an appearance as man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. You ready? Jesus emptied his life unto death so that through his death we might live. In all of this, Jesus emptied himself so that you and I might be filled. Jesus became nothing so that you and I could have everything we need to be saved by Christ, to be sustained in him, to find our greatest satisfaction in him, and to serve the King of Kings together. And the result of all of this, and I want you to see this played out in Philippians chapter 2, verse 9, Therefore God exalted him to the highest place, gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Because Jesus made himself nothing, Jesus is everything for the believer. Now, no being, whether angels or demons, whether saints in heaven or the unsaved in hell, not even the devil himself can escape the power, the authority, and the glory of Jesus. All will bow either willingly or they will be made to do so. 
Every Jesus hater on earth will bow. Every Jesus denier will kneel. Every Jesus persecutor will take a knee. Every enemy of the cross will one day bend to the one who died on the cross yet now lives. But church, until that day, let's do everything we can to win every person we can to Jesus. I want to see every Jesus hater Every Jesus denier, every Jesus persecutor, every enemy of the cross. Find out just how good he is on this side of eternity. At church, I want you, I don't want you to be fooled by this passage here in Philippians chapter 2. Don't be fooled by this description here that Jesus is maybe weak because he is strong. Don't think that this description of Jesus makes him powerless because there is no one, there is nothing more powerful than him. His name is above all. He is above all. In making himself nothing, Jesus proved he is everything. He's everything. Now, speaking of that old Satan, you know, we brought him up. No one can escape. You know, that old defeated foe. I want us to take just a glimpse into old selfish Satan's life. And you and I will find what selfishness is all about. In Isaiah chapter 14, verse 13, a description of Satan's fall. Listen to what the Bible says. You said in your heart, speaking to that old devil, I will ascend to the heavens, the devil said. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit enthroned on the mountain of Sinai, on the utmost heights of Mount Zion. I will ascend above the tops of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. But the word of God reminds him, but you are brought down to the realm of the dead in the depths of the spirit. I will, I will, I will, I will, I will, five times. In one small paragraph. Do you see the anthem? Do you see the song of the, of the selfish? I will ascend, says the devil. I will make myself great. In contrast, what did Jesus do? I will descend. I will make myself Low. Why? Because being great is something that Jesus already is and was. In Luke 22, verse 42, Jesus prayed on the eve of the cross, Father, if you are willing, take this this cup from me. Yet not as I will, but thy will, your will be done. You ready? As you and I say so long to self today, we recognize that self always says, I will, I will, I will. But as we say so long to self, the believer lives their life. Not my will, but your will be done. You know, it is is easy and it is common for believers just to blame the devil for all the bad stuff we do. Isn't it? I want to say this today. Some of y'all owe the devil an apology. Because you know the truth is, he doesn't know most of our names. But it's easy. And it's lazy to blame him, isn't it? When the truth is, the blame lies in the heart of a believer who has yet to say so long 
self. I'm done. It's time to break up. It's time to see other people. It's not you, it's me. So long, self. You know, I begin to think of Jesus' story. And I want to caution us on one temptation that we might have. And that is for you and I, that if we're not careful, we are going to have the very temptation and give in to the temptation to fill our lives with things that are going to make us empty. Hey, think of Jesus' story. You ready? And I wrote some of these out. Jesus emptied himself of the riches of heaven, right? Yet you and I, if we're not careful, we'll do everything we can to fill ourselves, to fill our lives with the riches of this old world. Think of it. Jesus made himself nothing, and yet if we're not careful, believers... We're going to work to try to fill our lives with things that just make us everything. Think of it. Jesus emptied himself of fame and the glory of heaven to come down to earth. Yet, we try to fill our lives with fame and glory of this whole world. Jesus emptied himself of acceptance. In fact, the Bible teaches us that he was rejected by men so that you and I could be accepted by God. But you know what? We want to please people. We want the approval of men in our lives. I think of Jesus and how he emptied himself of the title of master of all things in order that he could serve others in order that he could obey God and you know what we try to do in our lives we try to fill our lives full of power control and dominance so that we could be the masters of our own lives and you know what believer if we're not careful you and I are going to try everything we can to fill our hearts and our lives with things just make us empty. You may look at this picture and go, you know what, Anthony? Man, that's looking like it's getting pretty filled up. And maybe this is a picture of our heart and our life, and we filled ourselves with these things. And we think, man, our life is pretty full. But if you look closer, there's a lot of emptiness here. There's a lot of empty space. In fact, the things that we filled this picture with, if you were to break them open, are filled with emptiness themselves. And so that things may seem Okay, life may seem full for you and for me. But in actuality, we have filled our lives with empty things that lead to more and more emptiness. Now here's the beauty of what Jesus did. He emptied himself of the pursuit of all these empty things, all these empty things, in order that he could obey God serve others, he could serve us. And here's the picture for the believer this morning of what we really need to ask God to do, what we need to allow him to do in our hearts and our lives. And that is, we need to give him space to fill in all the emptiness of our lives. We need to allow the living water that is in Christ to empty us 
of all the empty things we try to fill our lives with so that through empty, we can be filled. And so here's what Jesus does. You and I begin to say, you know what? So long, self. Hey, it's been fun, but there's someone else, and his name is Jesus. And we begin to let Jesus fill our hearts and our lives. And what's amazing is, as he does it, you and I begin to know what it really means to be filled. Because now as I look at this heart and life of a believer, here's what I, here's what I don't see. I don't see any empty space. In fact, I, I've said so long self, and, and Jesus has so filled my life that all the emptiness is gone. And, and watch this, watch this. No matter how many times I try to fill my life, emptiness it's too full of Jesus to ever ever know emptiness again I, I can't I can't fill my life with emptiness anymore if I'm I'm filled with Jesus so you know what our last math equation thank God of this study really works itself out doesn't it that empty really means that we can be filled with joy because we are filled with Jesus. Hey, can I ask you something, church? What are the empty things you're trying to fill your life with? What are they? You know, you know what they are. I don't need to list anything. You, you know what it is in your life. It's empty things that just lead to more emptiness in your life. Well, we learn more than just an equation, but from the example himself, that emptying yourself of these things means being filled with joy. For Jesus, that was to obey God and to serve others. I love a song that Mercy Me put out. Zach, in fact, I'm going to have Zach help me sing this out. Listen to these lyrics as he goes through it a couple of times. And here's my prayer, that this song becomes a song of our hearts. So y'all need to go to iTunes, download Mercy Me song, So Long Self. But listen to these words real quick. So long self, well it's been fun, but I have found somebody else. So long self, there's just no room for two, so you are gonna have to know. So long self, don't take this wrong, but you are wrong for So long self, well it's been fun, but I have found somebody else. So long self, there's just no room for two, so you are gonna have to move. So long self, don't take this wrong, but you are wrong for me, farewell. Oh well, goodbye, don't cry. Oh, so long self. You know, isn't that? ought to be the song of our heart this week. Hey, breaking up is hard to do, as the famed theologian Neil Sedaka told us, right? But I'm going to tell you, it's the right thing to do with every believer. Because the only way for empty to be equal to filled with joy is when we allow Jesus to fill our lives.
and to empty us of the empty things we have tried to fill our life with. So, so long, self. It's an invitation for you and I to experience, to know, and to enjoy Jesus more and more. So long, self, is an invitation for you and I to experience, to to know, and to enjoy more and more meaningful relationships. So long, self, it is the invitation to experience, to know more and more joy. And so, so long, self. So here's my challenge for the believer this morning. You ready? Number one, it's time to break up. Some of y'all got some hard conversations with yourself ahead this week. Challenge number one, it's time to break up with you. Challenge number two is to break out. Hey, you ready? To break out in worship this week. As you consider Philippians chapter 2, the one who emptied himself so that we might be filled, the one who became nothing so that we could have everything we need in Jesus to be saved by him, to be sustained by his spirit, to be satisfied completely in him, and to serve the King of Kings together. We got to break up. Hey, we got to break out and worship. And you know what? We need to bring it. We need to bring this message of hope and of the gospel to every Jesus hater, Jesus denier, Jesus persecutor, every enemy of the cross, and just simply everybody who don't know Him. We need to bring this message. And the question is this, you ready? Are you ready today, believer, to say so long self? I can't decide it for you. You can't decide it for me. But I tell you what, more than an equation, we see the example. So long self is following the example of Christ. Let's pray together, can we? Thank you again for checking out our podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you can stay up to date on our services. If you'd like to give to support our ministry, you can do that at our website. That's connectchurchpf.com. Hope you enjoyed and have a great week.